0: You are listening to a White Ridge Baptist Church sermon podcast. And my toe just goes crack, and my body goes crashing onto the floor, and I'm like, ah, that hurts. And nothing bad came out of my mouth. I was quite thankful about that. I didn't bust the wall or anything, and I just kind of shook it off. I worked in construction without, uh, you know, those steel-toed shoes when I was a teenager. My dad was a carpenter. He didn't buy me shoes. I wore runners. So my feet have had a lot of damage before. So I just got, just you know. Uh, shrugged it off, said, okay, I'm going to go to bed and see what it's like in the morning. So then I wake up in the morning and uh, I see this beautiful rainbow on my toe. And it's like 5.30 in the morning, I'm supposed to be meeting a friend at 6 to go golfing. And so I call him up and I say, oh, buddy, I'm so sorry, I I don't think I can go golfing today. I'm not making an excuse, I I think I hurt my toe. I said, I think I hurt my toe. (laughs) And uh, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm heading to Sacramento tomorrow. The wise thing would be to go to the hospital just to see if there's anything that needs to be done before I go. I said, yeah, that's fine. So it's six o'clock in the morning. I go to St. Boniface Hospital. There's no one there. There's one other person in front of me. I walk up to the counter. I said, you know what? I really don't want to waste your time. I'm pretty sure there's nothing you can do with this. I think I just sprained my toe, uh, but this is what's happened. He goes, oh yeah, the way you're walking on it, it's fine. Don't worry about it. There's nothing we could really do, but you should go get some Tylenol to help just with the pain and some ibuprofen for the inflammation. I said, really, I can take both of those? She goes, yeah, that's fine. They both do different things. That's fine. I said, okay. I don't have either of those things in my home. So I go to Walmart. I wait till 7 o'clock. I go to where the pharmacy is. The pharmacist isn't there, but there's a worker. So I asked the worker for these two things, and she looks at me, and she says, you sure you want both of those? And I said, yeah, that's what the guy said. He said, they both do different things, so it's fine if I take both at the same time. So she says, okay. So she takes me to the aisle where they're both found, and so I find the Tylenol, And then I turn around and I look and I start giggling to myself. And I go back and I go to her and I say, You know what, I I can totally see why you were confused before because I asked you for Tylenol and I thought I asked you for Ibuprofen but obviously I asked you for Imodium and that won't help at all. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that was one of those times where, you know, my head... Thought I was saying something different. I have no remembrance of saying I, uh, you know, saying I needed a modium. I honestly thought I said ibuprofen, but obviously I didn't. And sometimes our tongue does really silly, silly things that we're not even aware of. But other times our tongue does very sinful things, and and sometimes we're not aware of it because our hearts are deceitful. And other times I am aware of it, and I still choose to be sinful. And uh, this is what we're going to be talking about as we look at the book of James. We're going to ask you to open your Bibles to James 3. If you're using the pew Bible in front of you, it's 1197 is the page you'll find it on. We're going to be talking about the taming of the tongue. Uh, James gives a whole bunch of tests to help us see what does it look like to be a mature believer, so that we can know not just have we given our lives to Christ, but are we actually growing in Him. And one of the key things is to be aware of how we're using our tongue. So we're going to be reading the first 12 verses of chapter 3, and I'll ask you to stand with me as I read. So again, this is James 3, uh, verses 1 to 12. Now, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With our tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers this should not be can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring my brothers can a fig tree bear olives or a grapefruit grapevine bear figs neither can salts a salt spring produce fresh water please be seated So before we get right into the passage, I just want to remind us of the context that James 3 is written in. As our last week was preaching on James 2, and one of the verses he pointed out was James 2:14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Three verses later in verse 17, it says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The answer is no. Just claiming to have faith isn't proof that you have it. You have to be able to have it backed up by a life of faith. People need to be able to see love in action. So what we're talking about here, the context of people that James is speaking to are not just people who would check a box on the cultural, yes, I'm a Christian. These are the people who actually would profess to others that they are saved, that they have a relationship with Christ. And James says, well, then your life better follow the example of your words. And this is where James 3 is important because he says, Most of us, we might talk about our faith, but teachers are really telling people how they're meant to live based on what the Word of God says, or at least they're supposed to. So teachers, you have a big responsibility. You are going to be judged more strictly than others. Because what you say needs to be backed up by your life. And a danger for teachers is that quite often we can get into academic understanding of things. We can delve into a text, you can preach a message, but you're not really thinking about your daily life, and how the Holy Spirit is transforming you and allowing Him to work in and through you. And it's easy to make faith something that you try to accomplish rather than something that God accomplishes in you. There's a big difference between trying to be righteous because the Bible says so or being righteous because your life is grounded in Christ and the Holy Spirit is transforming you. Teachers have a very big danger of knowing what to say but not allowing God to transform them. And James knows this. And he says, be very careful. And he puts himself in that category. He says, we who teach. He puts himself in that too. He says, I need to be careful. I'm writing this. I'm telling you right now. And I'm very much aware that at some point, I am going to be judged strictly because of this. We could spend a lot of time just talking about that phrase, we will be judged more strictly. But we're going to come back to that in a few weeks as we go further on in James. But for today, I just want to highlight here that James not only identifies himself as a teacher, but he also identifies shows us that he's a humble person because he says we all stumble in many ways and that we now expands past the teachers to just every one of us every one of us stumbles in many ways the niv here says if anyone is never at fault in what he says he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check that's kind of a hard sentence to follow right because who's perfect there's none of us that is perfect Uh, A better translation, I think, would be if if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he's a mature man. He's able to control his whole body. And those are people that you can probably identify in your life. You probably know a number of people that their regular habit with their tongue is that they don't stumble with it. That their regular habit with their body is that they use it to glorify God. They might stumble at times, yes, but they show their maturity by the way that their tongue and their body is generally used. And that's what James is trying to help us realize, is that's the type of people that Christ wants us to be in him. We can't use that verse as an excuse to say, oh, well, uh, that's the way I'm going to be. I'm just human. That's not, that's not satisfactory. We're Christians. Our lives are in God's hands. And every time that we stumble, we need to turn to God and say, Lord, forgive me. And please help me to rely on your Holy Spirit as I move forward. If you want to learn how to live wisely, and you'll hear me say this over and over again, spend time in the book of Proverbs. If you want relational wisdom, if you want to know how your life is meant to be lived with others, if you want to know the danger of the tongue, Proverbs is a key place to be because it's all about daily wisdom. It's all about relational living. Uh, one of the verses, there, I could give you a whole slew of verses that have just changed my life because God has helped them come into my mind and I remember them often. And, and I like to talk a lot, and so this verse has been very helpful for me. Proverbs 10:19. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is wise. That means for me, no matter how well intended I am, But if I get into a conversation and I kind of tell my mouth is going, eventually sin's unavoidable. It's going to happen. Learn to shut it a little bit. You know, don't say that to me too harshly, but you can tell me. Um, But that's that's one of the key things in Proverbs that that's helped change my life, and and that also is to help me think not just about not talking to others, but it's about it's time for me to listen to God. I don't always need to be talking. I need to be listening. And I need to listen to God and I need to listen to others. So here's a question. How does your tongue typically cause you to stumble? Each of you have some ways that when you use your mouth, it leads you to sin. It could be gossip. It could be um, just humor that's hurtful. Uh, I don't know what it is, but what is it in your life If you're not sure what it is, ask someone. Ask someone. Say, when I talk with you, this is a hard thing to do, but when I talk with you, is there a regular way that my tongue is misused that instead of building you up, I seem to tear you down? I'll tell you, that's a hard question to ask. It's a very valuable question to ask. Another question for you. Based on your speech, how would you rate your maturity? James is all about testing your faith. So when you listen to yourself, do you hear more of the words of Christ as you mature with him, as you get older, or are you just hearing your same old voice 10 years later? The sub-question here is, are you acting your age? A person who's walked with the Lord for two years will sound quite different than someone who's walked with the Lord for 10 years or 25 years if that person has been learning to submit to the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been doing that, you'll probably sound exactly the same. Test your faith. It's not a matter of are you saved or not. It's a matter of are you you being transformed? Are you enjoying? Are you being in the relationship that God has for you now? Or are you just giving it lip service? Giving Christ lip service? So James goes on in the next couple of verses to use six images that we can classify in three ways. And there's a few different ways that we can see the power of the tongue. And, and the first one is the, the power of the tongue directs. And we look at the picture of the, the bit and the bridle and the rudder. So how many of you have ever ridden a horse here before? How many of you, if I asked you to put this on a horse, would know what to do? That's actually pretty impressive. I, I know what this part does. I don't know exactly how I'd get it in there. But isn't it amazing that just this little piece, right, connected to the whole bridle, can, can control an animal? Just this little piece. This is the point that James is making. It's a little piece with a lot of power. Now, how many of you have ever been on like a, a sailboat, something that's had a rudder, a cruise ship maybe? How many of you have been on a boat before like that? So when you're on that boat, just imagine that something so small as a rudder is actually directing all of it. There's powerful engines, or it's based on the power of the wind, but it's that little rudder that's controlling it. This picture here, the rudder actually almost looks like a tip of a tongue to me, right? And the point that James is making is the tongue is very tiny, but it's very, very powerful. So be aware of that. So question for you, how have you seen the power of the tongue to direct? When you think of your life, there's probably some stories that just resonate with you because those words impacted you. And they either impacted you towards life and encouraged you, or they just brought you towards death. All of us have a couple of those stories. And I wouldn't be surprised if everyone in this room could tell me one or two stories of when you were a little child and something that was said to you just kind of destroyed you, ripped a little bit out of your heart. Or something that was told you that just built you up and made you feel like you were loved and cared for and that you were supported. Almost everything, I'm sure everybody in this room has a story like that. And that's the power of a little tongue. It can last a whole lifetime. That verse goes on to say that this tongue, this rudder, they're steered wherever the pilot wants to go. Now the main point that that James is making is that a little thing has a lot of power, but he also says there is someone that pilots those things. There's someone who's using the bridle. There's someone who's using the rudder. So a question for you here then too is, based on your speech, who is your tongue's pilot? So again, not just your thought life, based on what you actually say and not just here on sunday morning not when you're at home with your family when you're at work when you're playing sports when you go to a movie what does your tongue say that informs you about who controls it is the holy spirit having his way in your life it's an important question to ask and again to be sure ask someone else we will come back to this over and over again throughout the life of our church that we need each other to grow we need people who love us and care for us enough that can speak truth and love, that can help us to see who we really are so that we can learn to rely more and more on Jesus Christ and not ourselves. And I need people to speak truth into my life when they see that my tongue is not reflecting the word of the person of Jesus Christ. And I need them to tell me when it is. Okay, well now we'll move on to the second demonstration of power, and that's the power to destroy. And here, it's the two pictures of fire and animals. This is verses 5 to 8. Now, all of us have seen the impact of fire over the last couple days. This is a picture from uh, northern Saskatchewan last Sunday. They said in this area, that picture is not too bright on the screen, but over 13,000 people have been evacuated from their homes in that area. Uh, When I flew back from Sacramento, you could tell that there was smoke in the air. My friend, when we were in Sacramento, he called his wife in Swan River, and she said, you know what? You wouldn't believe it. I can barely see past the field the kids are playing soccer on. When I got home, there's like dust on the car. There's like ash on the car. I don't know how those fires started, but I, I can tell you it didn't take much to get them started. It takes just a little spark. This is what James says. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Just a little word from your tongue can cause things to go out of control or they can cause peace and healing and love to be displayed. What does our tongue typically do? When it's on our own device, it will always lead towards destruction. The other thing is about animals. Verse 7 says, All kind of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by men. I had the privilege of going on a little trip a few weeks ago and one of the things I was able to see are animal actors and they had all the trainers come and show how they actually train like a dog to come to the actor and do all the things the actor wants them to do without ever looking at the trainer because the trainer is telling them what to do right and and all of a sudden there was like pigs and flamingos and ferrets and all of a sudden uh, they said turn around and this eagle went like right over my head like just like inches from my head and you could feel the wind right and all this was trained and right then i thought wow my head's too shiny i better put on a hat. <laughs> the hat but but it's amazing what these animals can be trained to do but james says as much as animals can be trained or tamed to some degree the tongue cannot be Uh, James 3 8 says, No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. We have to take that seriously. Nothing in our own effort can make our tongue better. You can make it work for a little while. You can try to behave yourself. But when you're not really thinking about what you're saying, all of a sudden your real you, that real tongue, is going to just come on through. And. If you aren't being transformed by God, you're going to see the evil that will come out of that tongue when you're not monitoring it. It can't be tamed by us. So how do we approach life then? The Bible would tell us, I think, the first thing that we need to do is just to give our tongue to the Lord. We give our whole life to the Lord. The psalmist says in uh, 141, Psalm 141, he says, "...set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth." Keep watch over the door of my lips. Lord, I need you. I mess up all the time. This tongue just does bad things. Lord, I submit to you. But then in another psalm, Psalm 31, there's also not not only do I submit to God, I do have to intentionally try to hold my tongue to do something good with it. David says, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I'm going to be more careful in how I live. I'm going to be careful what I put into my life. I'm going to be careful where I go because I don't want my tongue to sin. I only want it to pray. So there's, my effort is to submit to God and then do whatever else needs to be done to put my tongue in a good environment that I'm not putting it in places where it will slip quite easily. Does that make sense? Uh, one of the commentators said, um, the control of the tongue is more than an evidence of spiritual maturity. It's the means to it. So up till now, I've just asked you, monitor your tongue. How mature are you? you you in your age? But if you want to mature in your faith, you need to focus on your tongue. You need to say, Lord, this tongue belongs to you. My whole life belongs to you. I want you, Lord, to use my tongue to bless you, to glorify you, to help others. And it's not always doing that, Lord. Forgive me, and please transform my tongue. So a question for you today with that is, how are you intentionally guarding your ways to keep your lips from sinning? I'll give you an example. This can be an environmental decision. You put yourself in situations where people's language is going off or you're, you know that you'll be tempted. You know the situations that when you go there, you actually talk differently. Is it wise for you to be in those places? You need to ask that for yourself and ask God's wisdom in that as well. The last part of James that we're looking at today is also the power to delight. Our tongue has the great ability to praise God and to bless others. And James gives us two pictures here the picture of a fountain and the picture of a tree. And so, verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men that have been made in the likeness of God. This is a hugely important verse because it points to an important truth that every single person, there is not a person you meet that hasn't been made in the likeness of our God. We're not limited to the people in this room or the people who call themselves Christians. Every single person has been made in the image of God. And God is never pleased if we talk negatively or sinfully against any other person that's made in His image. The Bible says, if you say that you love God who you have not seen and hate your brother who you have seen, you're a liar. Flat out, you're a liar. So we need to be very careful about that that, that I, my tongue is only used to bless others by the help of God. But verse 10 says this, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Okay, I don't think I'm probably the only one alone in this boat that says my tongue does not always do good. I do harm against others with my tongue. Right? But it's not supposed to be that way. God hasn't designed my tongue to be used for two purposes, one for good and one for evil. My tongue is meant to be only for him and to bless others. So, so why is it that it's not that way? It is that way. Why is it that I feel like sometimes I'm two different people almost? And the question is, which of these speech patterns reflects my true identity? Am I the person who's saved by Christ, or am I this other person who looks like my, t- my tongue is set on fire by hell? As James would say, James doesn't make it much easier. He keeps on going to say, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Well, the answer to those is clearly no. That's not possible for those to do it. So, why is it possible that my life has two different types of language coming out of my mouth? That's kind of frustrating and part of the answer is that while i'm saved and while my security and my perfection and my full maturity is set is in the hands of god in eternity i have that already there is a not yet still happening because i'm not yet perfectly in the presence of god i am not while my heart is new the bible says a new creator a new creation creator a new creature has been created, right, in God, <laughs> The old has come, the old is gone, the new has come. That's true about me, and yet there's still a battle on this side of heaven with sin that exists in my life. My, I've trained my brain in different ways, my body in different ways. It doesn't please the Lord, and the Holy Spirit still needs to have His way to train me, to teach me, so that I live in the way that He's called me to in His strength i saw this image and it helped me it's not a perfect illustration but i think it's helpful here's a picture of uh some pumps some water pumps and so you see these uh the pumping stations that are above the ground and you see the the uh, pipes that go down into the water and then here's the big image of this is the the fresh water which the pipes are meant to stop in and then there's the salt water that's farther down, and they're separated because uh, fresh water goes above the salt water, right? Fresh water has maybe 0.05% salt. Salt water is, they say, 3 to 5% salt. But then there exists this layer that's kind of, it's called brackish water. I'd never heard of that before, brackish water. Brackish water is anything that's between that 005 to 3%. It's this water that's not completely salt water, and it's not pure water it's mixed (laughs) right and what happens with these pumps is that the pump is actually in the fresh water but at times there's intrusions there's breaches and this brack water comes in vertically or it comes laterally and i don't know what happens if it dissipates and it goes back to what it's meant to be in fresh water again it's not a perfect illustration but it helped me think about my life that my life is in christ and i live in his purity And sometimes, though, there's just intrusions, right? There's sin. Paul would say, I do the things I don't want to do. So it's not I who do it anymore. It's sin in me. And he he makes that distinction between who he is in Christ and the sin that's still fighting in his being. But he doesn't identify himself with that sin. He says, should I keep on sinning then? Can I just have an excuse to sin? No, I can't. I'm a new creature in Christ. The Bible is very clear. And One of the songs we sang was Purify My Heart. We need the Lord to transform us. God isn't into taming so much. He's into tr- transforming. He wants to have all of us. He, he wants to make us new. He wants us to live in the life that he has for us in his Holy Spirit. So Luke six forty-five, the words of Jesus say, Out of the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks what's in my heart is eventually what's going to come out of my mouth that's just the reality so if i have anger or if i have love if i have greed or if i have generosity those are the types of words that are going to come out of my mouth and so then i need to ask myself this question what does your speech teach you about what's in your heart when you listen to your speech what do you identify as being in your heart and finally What are the areas of your heart that are in need of transformation? There's some areas that are slower than others, right? Where we don't really rest in who God has called us to be. Uh, Again, if if you struggle with greed, God wants you to be generous. If you struggle with um, anger, he wants you to be peaceful. And he doesn't just tell you to go do that. He says, I can make you that way because I will put Christ in you. And Christ is in you. I just want to end by sharing a little bit with you about the conference we went to this last week in uh, Sacramento, and it relates to James. Uh, The focus there was sent, and uh, it just says at the bottom there, uh, "For for the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And the truth that they were telling us about is that as we meet with God, as he transforms us, we then have the privilege and the responsibility to be sent ones to enter into the world and to bless others. And one of the key things that came across that I really remembered is that we're meant to be a people of blessing. God wants us to use our tongue to bless others, and we need to be intentional about that. And, uh, you know, it was my second day there, and I had got up early, and I just went to a coffee shop to have my devotions. And uh, I entered the coffee shop, and one of my regular prayers, they kind of have prayers that go on cycles, and This one's been with me already. It's close to three years. I wake up in the morning and I regularly pray, Lord, I want you to glorify yourself in me today. I ask you to bless others through my life. And I I ask that you help me to be more in love with you today than I was yesterday. I pray that quite regularly with different words, but that's the same heart. And when I enter different rooms, I often pray, Lord, as I enter this room, I pray that your presence will be known. I pray that you will use me to encourage other people. Help me to be sensitive to what you want done. It's just a good practice for me to be in every time I enter a different situation. And I entered the coffee shop, and I prayed that same way, and I looked around the room, and in the coffee shop in a the corner, there's a corner booth kind of like a, um, your booth seats alongside the and then these little tables. And on one side, there was a, what I could see was a, probably a fairly well-to-do businessman. On the other side, there was a lady who didn't look like she had a lot of money, and she was just knitting. And so I decided when I got my coffee, there wasn't a big push in me or anything, but I thought it would be wise just to sit beside her. So I went and I sat beside her, and uh, she was knitting something pink. And I said, I just said to her, I said, wow, I said, that looks really nice. What is it? And she goes, oh, she goes, I'm knitting a little baby blanket for a friend of mine. I said, oh, that's really nice of you. I said, that, that looks great. And then she had this page of instructions on it, and I, I said, I can't make any sense of that. I don't even know what that means. And she goes, well, oh, that's telling me how I'm supposed to knit. And I said, oh, okay. And she goes, so yeah, like, this means knit, this means purl. I I have no idea what that means. So she explained to me how to knit. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, she just started talking about her life. And our conversation was easily over half an hour. And she started talking to me about... Um, now a number of years ago she was uh, just put on disability she wasn't able to work but she said she still wanted to contribute so she started serving in different ways and then her health got worse and her money didn't actually allow her to stay in the apartment she wasn't anymore so someone found her this social assisted living where a third of whatever she had would go to her income and the rest she could use as she needed and so she moved there and she was thankful but she says you know what I go there and I never want to stay because everybody just sits around and gossips all day. So I come to the coffee shop, I've talked with the girls behind the counter, and I've asked if I can sit here during the day that I won't cause trouble. I'll just have one drink and then I'll just knit. And I know every girl behind the counter. The girl who served you coffee, she just had a baby. I made her a blanket. And then she told me about, yeah, and then some other guy came to me, and he knew that I make blankets for people, and he said, hey, would you make me a blanket? I'm willing to pay you for it. And she goes, I don't do things for money. She goes, but I do make gifts for my friends, so yes, I'll make you a blanket. <laughs> right? And we just started talking, and I just saw the beauty of her heart. Just this beautiful woman. And uh, and then she says, she said, Doug, what are, so what are you doing here? And I said, well, I've just come to have my devotions. And she goes, oh, are you a Jehovah Witness? <laughs> And I said, no, I'm not a Jehovah Witness. I said, but I am a person who believes that the Bible tells us who God is, that Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I'm, I'm doing all I can to surrender my life to Him. And she goes, oh, that's good. And she goes, can I ask you two questions? I said, sure. She goes, well, why is there poverty in the world? And why do people hurt animals? Why are bad things done to animals? And I won't tell you the whole conversation, but I more or less started saying, well, What you need to first of all know is the character of God. God is completely good. God created everything for him and he wants everything to be lived just in his pleasure and under his sovereignty. I didn't use those words with her, but I said, God's completely good. And he's created us to be in relationship with him. And the problem is, is, quite often, I don't want to be in relationship with him. I live for myself. And you know how you said... Uh, those ladies at your apartment are gossipy yeah sometimes my heart wants to do that and and sometimes though god has really created us to be more generous you know like why do you have that desire in your heart to be generous to others and i said this because god has made you in his image and every good thing in a person's life whether they acknowledge god or not that's actually a reflection of their creator and that's why I can celebrate your generosity because when I see that, I see part of my God in your lifestyle. But sin gets in the way, and we talked about that. We talked about why Christ is important because he came to die for our sins. And we talked about that if, if everybody lived as we were meant to, there wouldn't be poverty in this world. Animals wouldn't be hurt. And uh, and we talked for quite a while. And you know what was it was really encouraging is at the end she just kept asking questions about God, and then all of a sudden, one of the ladies from the coffee bar, that one of the baristas came and just started talking with her. And I could tell that that lady just loved her. And so they kind of got into their own conversation, and and I started reading my Bible again. And we just said we did our own thing for a bit. And then as I was reading my Bible, there's a few scriptures that I that were just really pertinent to what we were talking about. And I said, Christy, I said, do you mind if I share you share some scripture with you? And I I just read a few uh, verses to her, and she goes yeah that's like what we were just talking about about how God is a loving father. he's not he's not an abuser or a punisher. He disciplines the children that he loves, you know and uh, and then she said she goes thank you, thank you, Doug, for talking about God because it's inspiring. I don't think she she said, the people I know who talk about God are usually angry and condemning. That's the word she said. The people who usually talk about God are angry and condemning. So just before I left, I went and I bought a I went and I just bought a gift card. I said, "Would you mind watching my computer for a bit? I need to go. So I left my computer with her and I went. She couldn't see where I was going. I bought a little gift card. I came back and we just chatted a bit. and I said, Christy, I just want to say thank you for being a blessing to me. You really blessed my life today by meeting you. And I left there knowing that God had used me to bless her. And I know that God had used her to help me realize how great God is. And there's so much opportunity around us to be people of blessing. So what I'm going to ask you this week is for you to prayerfully think at least a couple of times as you go into certain circumstances, Lord, use me for your glory. Lord, use me to bless someone and help me to be more in love with you today, more today than I was yesterday. And he will gladly answer that prayer. I don't have to question that. God is wonderfully excited when his children ask for us to grow closer to him. So with that, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and uh, we're going to close in a song and then Alf, I'll ask you to come and close us in a prayer.